0: Chicken burrito me up. We're back, my name is Will, and this is Exploding Helicopters, the only podcast in the world dedicated to celebrating films where helicopters explode. Now in 1967, toy manufacturer Milton Bradley introduced the world to a new board game, Battleship. It was a popular sensation, and as a child growing up in the 1980s, I even played the game myself. But Then along came computer games and the internet, and the game suddenly seemed about as much fun as my last prostate exam. Given that history, it's hard to think what possessed Universal Studios to spend $200 million on making a big-screen adaptation of this plastic-peg guessing game. But that's what happened, and the movie Battleship was born. And talking of things that were clearly a terrible idea, I'm joined by a man capable of syncing any podcast. With me once again is Nick Rehack from French Toast Sunday. How you doing, Nick? B7. <laughs> Miss. <laughs>
1: oh my how that echoes i'm doing well sir how are you
0: yeah i'm I'm good so i'm taking it from that that you've played battleships before i still play battleship you this is you're just like winding me up here
1: no 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 i'm i played it last week
0: i need to know the circumstances Um, you you play regularly
1: oh yeah oh yeah um my girlfriend and i uh we'll be hanging out sometimes and we won't feel like uh, watching a movie or a show or like playing like a video game or anything so we'll just put some records on And just hang out, we'll play Scrabble, or we'll play Battleship. We try not to get into Monopoly, because that'll take a little too long. But yeah, we still play board games.
0: I'm really suspicious. I think I may require photographic evidence. I saw photographic evidence of you playing Scrabble. I think I'm going to need to see it on you playing Battleship.
1: I'll happily provide photographic (laughs) evidence.
0: Now I think you're quite lucky I invited you on this show Nick because Battleship is one of the most important films in exploding helicopter genre as it has the most helicopter explosions of any film ever made so how do you feel to
1: be part of this history Nick? I'm kind of nervous because I knew there were a lot and we even had, you know, there was a a contentious, if not controversial discussion during Firebird's Wings of the Apache on the number of helicopters that were exploding. But this one, I don't know, it's some pretty big, pretty big shoes to fill.
0: Well, I carefully selected you, so I'm I'm kind of confident that you're going to step up to the plate here. But, uh, you know, I hope you don't let me down.
1: I'll try not to.
0: Now I did get tweeted, Nick, by one of my uh, listeners this week to say that when he has an orgasm, he calls it an exploding helicopter. <laughs> which made me then want to know what you call your orgasm, Nick. Ooh,
1: what? Do, I don't think I call it anything. I I, I just <laughs> I'm just so in the moment, and I'm just so excited to just be having that uh, activity in general that I don't even think to say anything.
0: Do you think it would worry a woman if you were to call your orgasm an exploding helicopter?
1: No. Well, it depends. (laughs) It depends on who I'm with. My current girlfriend, I think she would just chalk it up as to me being funny and goofy. But other girls, they might just be like, what is is your problem? And I'd go, yeah, you're right. (laughs) And just kind of laugh it off and cry subtly.
0: Well, I think we'd better get things uh, slightly more back on track. So uh, I'm always interested to hear what you've been watching lately. So uh, I wondered what the most noteworthy film it is that you've seen lately.
1: Uh, I haven't been watching as many movies lately as I'd like, but I did get a chance to get out to the theaters about two weeks ago, and I saw Doctor Strange in IMAX 3D. And how did you find that? It was all right. The special effects were absolutely stunning. The story was okay. The acting was was fine. I just I didn't connect with it. I mean, not like I've been connecting with the other Marvel films, but most of the Marvel films, there's this urge of like excitement. There's this energy there, and there's this drive, and we're, you know, we're A to B, B to C, C to D. We're moving along. But it felt like with this film that we were kind of not muddling, but it took a little bit longer to get into the film than what, for me, typically a hero's origin story would be. It's probably not a film that I'll watch over and over again. Like I could watch Iron Man over and over again, and there's still that energy. There's that excitement that's there. But with this, it's very trippy, and it's very visually impressive, but there's not enough story there to captivate me and bring me in. I don't think I'm going to see the sequel to Doctor Strange when they release it.
0: My own feelings on Doctor Strange I was uh, I was rather underwhelmed by it I mean it it came very close to boring me um, as a film um, I mean I think in fairness to these movies I'm not the world's biggest sort of superhero mm-hmm. uh, film fan so I wasn't really expecting to like love this film but it got so many good reviews that I just thought oh, actually you know what this one might uh, actually work for me and it's a standalone film, or it's the first one for a character, so you know you don't need to be in, uh, immersed in the universe to to sort of right, uh, right. understand what's going on uh, on in the film. But it just felt to me really predictable, and I don't know. I perhaps need to examine something about myself because I watch a lot of generic films, and that doesn't bother me. But then sometimes, you know, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm
1: being too harsh on these like Marvel movies. I, I agree with you that it the are the films are becoming a little bit predictable like more and more and i don't think it's because you've seen so many quote-unquote generic films and that you kind of know where the beats are going to be i think it's just marvel have put out so many films now and they can't keep just rinse and repeat following the same formula at some point it's going to backfire on them it's going to bomb and then they're going to have to scramble and rethink things but i think if they start to kind of mix up the formulas and and change how they do certain things in the film i think it's going to be more exciting i think the audiences are going to be like Oh, what's Marvel going to do next? And even if it's just like little tweaks here and there, like if they do, you know, nonlinear structure or if they just tell the whole thing in reverse or if they just like just different elements, if they add those in, I think that would be just a pinch more exciting than what we have been getting.
0: Okay, I think it's time to weigh anchor and get this podcast moving at full steam ahead. Now, normally I'd play a clip from the film's trailer here, but the trailer for this movie is just essentially a special effects montage, so it wouldn't really work here. So we're going to play something just a little bit different.
1: Battleship! Battleship!
0: Battleship, Milton Bradley's great game of strategy. It's loaded with action and suspense. Play it anytime, anywhere.
1: b 4 hit. J-1. Ha! Look J-10. Oh, he's got my battleship. <laughs> battleship, a game of strategy
0: from Milton Bradley. Battleship came out in 2012 and the plot sees a fleet of ships forced to do battle with an alien armada of unknown origins in order to uh, discover and thwart their goals. The the film stars Taylor Kitsch, Liam Neeson and everyone's favourite twerking pop star Rihanna. The film was directed by Peter Berg who made Hancock Lone Survivor and the recent soggy disaster movie Deepwater Horizon was widely panned by critics on its release, with one saying it made Top Gun look like the work of Wilson Wells. On uh, (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes, Battleship has a a critical rating of uh, 34, but uh, audiences seem to like it a little bit better, and it's got a kind of rating of 52. So Nick, what did you make of Battleship? Was it a hit or a miss?
1: Uh, I think it was a miss. It was very close to being a hit. But it's a miss. Like if my if the tail end of my battleship is on D4, this film hit it like D3. (laughs) I can't believe that this film was close to being a hit. It was close. It had the potential, but there was too many missteps in my eyes. And it kind of just petered out and just or or lost steam, if you will, and just really just became became a parody, just became funny, became. And I don't think I think they could have made a legit action film out of this and just something that's exciting and fun and something you want to see over and over but instead what we got was something that i kept checking the time and saying like all right we only got 40 minutes left all right we only got 20 minutes left (laughs) like counting it down until it was over rather than it's oh no it's almost over how's this gonna happen how's that gonna happen like i just genuinely did not care about the midway point what was gonna happen Like, honestly, when the exploding helicopters happened, I almost went, you know what? I don't need to see the rest. (laughs) (laughs) This is the bulk of it. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stick through it and watch the rest of it. And we got what we got. I'm
0: really surprised that you're actually fairly positive on this i mean i I think this is this is a bad movie i I don't think it's a terrible movie i mean this get this film gets a lot of pelters online hyperbole about it being like one of the worst movies ever made i, I mean for me it's a bad movie it's not a terrible movie, but for me, it just felt like the whole thing was half finished and it felt like they hadn't really got past the high concept pitch for this movie so they had gone into the studio and say yeah we want to make independence day at sea and the studio said yeah love it we'll give you this big amount of money and it didn't really feel to me that they actually
1: fleshed out the ideas much more beyond that the problem with it is they shouldn't have said it in present day they should have said it back in like after world war ii maybe 50s or 60s where there's alien invasion they don't quite know what's going on and they have to revert to those analog machines and they have to go to like using a grid system like to me that would have been a little more suspenseful a little more exciting and tense than just having this modern day like pull up this screen or pull up this radar or check this or you know and ballistic missile this and and fire on that and like what to me what made it exciting was when they to an extent exciting when they shifted over to the Missouri and they were using old techniques to battle this new force that was coming through but to just have like all these high-end like seeker missiles and all that stuff like that that doesn't impress me because yeah anybody could you know lock onto a target or pull up a sequence of codes and send something out but to be able to pull something off using antiquated technologies against something that's newer faster stronger to me that's where the real excitement and action comes from
0: this is an argument I've made before. I think computers, modern day technology are like killing movies. And, you know, we've moved to this age where computers are like, you know, people just tap away on a, on a keyboard and suddenly they're inside the security system for NORAD or, or you know, whatever it is. And it mm-hmm. just is, you know, that's how it seems to be how sort of computers are used in movies where uh we need this character to be able to like achieve this actually seemingly impossible thing. And just, yeah, someone
1: tap, 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 problem solved. It's like the writers put themselves into a corner. All right, how are they going to get out of this? Oh, you know, so-and-so a computer nerd. They'll type something up, and we'll have a real funny, like, how are we ever going to? And before the character can finish their sentence, the nerd will just pop up and say, it's done. Go, go, go. And then they'll have a look on their face, and we'll have, like, some funny music or something. And then explosions, and then we'll go on to the next part. Like, it just feels like it's very easy to just go that's how we do it and then get out of there no one wants to be creative no one wants to mix it up and change things and go well how would they get out of that you know and it's just it, that's when it starts to get a little boring and predictable
0: now on the surface battleship is essentially a kind of straightforward alien invasion movie uh, as i already said a sort of kind of independence day at sea but for me there are actually some sort of interesting like wrinkles in the plot here so when the aliens arrive on earth they kind of land in the ocean off the coast of america and when they land they don't really do anything they just sort of float about in the ocean doing nothing then till and this armada of, of ships turn up and it's only when the aliens are provoked by the navy that they actually start to attack or do anything aggressive it's all very bizarre and i don't really know what the film is trying to say,
1: yeah, absolutely and and it and every time we see from the alien point of view, what they're looking for anytime they see like a person's face or even an animal's face it goes green it says okay these guys are good but when they see a certain type of technology they need to take it out like their objective is oh this is what we need to destroy but they never really say what it is they need to destroy they it's always like on the ships there it looks like maybe it's an engine or some kind of weapon and obviously they want to take out some of the computer systems like what is their purpose and i also wonder the the beacon that we're sending up in the beginning which um what are what's in that message are we just saying hey we're here or are we stating like this is what we're doing this is what we're about or are we sending them like hey this is earth and here's our news and here's movies we like and then and tv or music (laughs) or you know what is what are they responding to and why are they responding to it in the way they are i think a lot of it is just lack of communication if they would just send one person down saying hey we got your message um what do you guys want to talk about we wouldn't have this movie and kind of spoilers and just a little bit ahead of ourselves when they discover that the aliens are afraid of sunlight why don't the aliens just come at night (laughs) and then burrow away during the day and then come back at night to fight
0: and you would think that a species that have the ability to travel all these millions of miles through space they're clearly an advanced you know race and technology you would think that they would have sufficient technological gumption to be able to come up with some form of sunglass to Mm. prevent them being blinded by the sunlight. I mean, it's all, yeah, I I don't want to kind of get, I think it's very easy to kind of get bogged down in the kind of like the minutiae of the thing. But I I wanted to kind of go back to to something that you were talking about, because I think there's very clearly a sort of a thing in this film about how the aliens are essentially acting in a defensive way. So anything that the aliens do is usually predicated by some action by the humans and as you're saying there is this thing where you see through the eyes of the alien race and you know anytime they see a weapon like they're kind of like their visual display sort of goes red to sort of show it's a threat and they're essentially just trying to it seems neutralize the the threats that are around them because at the beginning of the film the, the kind of aliens land and then when they're threatened by the humans, they throw up this defensive shield which keeps the majority of the American Navy away from them. And there's a few ships who are inside that shield and, you know, they're just in this one spot in the ocean underneath their defensive shield. If the humans had done nothing, it's very easy to imagine that actually the aliens would just be sort of still floating around off the coast of uh, Hawaii right now.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and even when they land, it's not like they send out like a a mini patrol or like a small ship that lands on and then they come out and they speak their mind. They're just hanging out and they're waiting for something, you know, maybe in the message because we don't know what it says. They're like, hey, we'll meet you here and we'll discuss. But because it just so happens like there's this, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, exercise and game going on You know, obviously a wire gets crossed and we end up attacking them for really no reason. Yeah, they look threatening, super threatening. And I think in any situation, you might be a little more on edge to want to attack. But really, the aliens are just defending themselves the entire time, even though they're on home soil. It's it's defense. They're defending themselves. And in a way, we're defend. It's really a double defense game because we're defending our country and they're defending themselves from an attack that maybe they weren't expecting.
0: Now, the hero of this film is a, is a character called uh, Alex Hopper, who's played by Taylor Kitsch. and he's meant to be this sort of stoner dude washout who, after a bungled attempt to steal a chicken burrito at the beginning of the movie, um, joins the Navy, uh, rising with uh, miraculous speed within the space of a few minutes of uh, screen time to the rank of uh, lieutenant. Um, and he's really the sort of the character we sort of follow through this film. What did you think of
1: his, uh, his character arc here? His character arc was a little confusing because, like you said, he starts out kind of this bumbling stoner and then immediately he is lieutenant. There's no (laughs) – I I, I mean I love a good montage. Why wasn't there a montage like during the opening credits of him getting his life turned around and changing and you know becoming this better person? Because then you would have went from, "Eh, I don't really care about this guy. I'm more interested in what Skarsgård is doing to all of a sudden, hey, you know what? I've changed my mind. I am on his side. Good to see him turn things around. Oh, no, these bad things are happening. I hope he doesn't revert to his old ways and that he continues to grow and progress as a person. And they just he kind of goes from zero to like 90 stays at 90 doesn't really descend back. progresses like a little bit here and there, but it's nothing... It's not a true arc. It's just very stilted. It's a a very steep slope, and then we're just... We're at a a certain space the entire time.
0: Yeah, because you can see what they're trying to do with this character. So they've got this, essentially, a kind of, like, washout character here, and he's a bit... Cocky and arrogant and so he needs to sort of learn a sort of a lesson in humility. But as you were saying, they really need to spend a bit more time setting that up because there's one scene that they have here to kind of essentially demonstrate to you this character aspect of here's somebody who's a bit reckless, a bit of a hothead. Um, so they have this pointless football game between the mm. uh, Japanese Navy and the American Navy, where it's basically shown that Taylor Kitsch's character is this sort of, you know, is a bit arrogant and cocksure because, you know, in this middle of this big match, he takes this penalty that he probably really shouldn't be taking. And that's the only element that we see to show that particular character aspect so you know but that that's a it's a football match it's not it's you know it's kind of not real life so when you're in this middle of this alien invasion and you know the taylor kitsch character is in this situation where he's suddenly responsible and he you know so you then like his personality is going to be tested under pressure it kind of doesn't really pay off because his character hasn't been uh, set up properly
1: Yes, there's no tension and there's no moment of uncertainty, like can he step up? Can he handle this? It's just he automatically just goes, No, oh, yeah, I can do this and then just does it. And there's even moments of like class and dignity where he kind of steps down and lets other people run the show for a little bit and they end up bonding and becoming closer even though one kick the other in the face. Like that's, you know, heartwarming <laughs> to see. But it's just I don't care. Like there's just parts of the movie where I'm just like, I don't care mm. because We know you're already a good person. There's no there's no conflict. I completely agree, because that moment where
0: he steps back from command in order to allow this other guy to to sort of take over. I mean that, you know, you need to have done a lot more work to establish his character and to set that particular moment up, because in the way it plays out in the film, it just feels like he's almost taking the easy way out. Like here's somebody else who's, who's happy to take command. And he's just fine, fine by me.
1: Yeah. And even there's moments where, you know, he loses his brother. How he's not a completely broken, just distraught and enraged with sadness person, I don't know. Like, if I ever lost my brother, I wouldn't just be like, wait, what? And go into shock. I would lose my mind and I'd probably start throwing or breaking things or trying to blame other people for if i was in his situation not like in, in this life there's no one else to blame but in his situation i'm going to be pointing fingers i'm going to be losing my mind i'm going to be doing something to try to find a reason to explain what just happened and instead we get this just kind of glazed over look and then it's just like like it not a big deal like it didn't happen how did the
0: first sort of couple of scenes in this movie strike you because for me they felt really really i was like wait what is this film doing where is this film going so you, you know with the film opens and we're we're kind of in this bar with uh, taylor kitch in full sort of stoner washout mode and this hot girl walks into the bar and in order to try and impress her and also to demonstrate to the audience that taylor kitch is this sort of like reckless wastrel he then uh there's a whole business with a, a chicken burrito which he then uh you know he tries to break into a service station that's across the road from the bar that they're in and steal a chicken burrito that the bar can microwave for this girl. I mean, I can't think of a worse introductory scene to a character than that.
1: Well, the whole reason they did it is because of the viral video of the same thing. There's a viral video that went viral around the time of this film where some random dude broke into a convenience store in the exact same way that Taylor Kitsch did to get a burrito (laughs) and then left through the roof the exact same way.
0: I did not know that. I didn't. Yeah. There's a meta joke here that I'm not appreciating.
1: Exactly. And I didn't appreciate it either until I did a little, like, looking up on this film and I saw, I'm like, oh, okay, it's based off of this video, which why? Like, on rewatches, like you said, it's it's awful. Like, why are they doing this? At the time, it's funny, but unless you're one of those people that, you know, has a a, a bachelor's in pop culture or whatever you're not going to remember that joke or that reference like it the film really dates itself with that but it's just that's the that's just the weird thing with this movie is that they just have these references that make sense don't make sense it's really a film of its time and even it's supposed to be you know battleship we get references with the little pegs eventually there's a grid and they call out you know e this or a that or whichever but there's nothing that really makes it feel like a battleship movie like if they could have called it anything else and it would have been just fine but why the battleship moniker i have no idea
0: well let's go into that a little bit because as you say in this film i guess they're duty bound to try and fit some elements of the board game into the movie so there is a sequence in this film where their systems on the on the ship have kind of gone down so they hatch this plan to use these uh buoys that are in the in the ocean and this plan involves being able to sort of set up some sort of grid system so that they're able to then determine where the sort of the alien invaders um, are but that for me was the kind of the only element of the film which in any way got close to the the board game although you know i don't know if you saw anything any other elements in the film that hark back to the game Uh, you seem to still be a a regular player so you're going to know more about this than me
1: Yeah, nothing, nothing really did. That's it. Except for what the, the occasional times where they said the word battleship. (laughs) That's, (laughs) that's really it. It's not like the ships looked similar to their little pieces. I mean, yeah, on the, when you play the battleship game, like you have your, your uh, opponent's board kind of looks like radars and stuff. They had plenty of that, but there was, there wasn't like one radar that stood out from the others like, uh, that looks like it's from the game or anything, but there was, It was none of that. Like, honestly, I wanted a moment where they're watching, like, the the destruction, and then they cut back to Liam Neeson, who's on the ship, and he just pulls his binoculars down, and he's like, you sunk my battleship, and, like, slams a fist down or something. That would have been the ultimate, and this – I would own this movie. I would own several copies of this movie (laughs) and give them away as Christmas presents. Yeah, and you'd think the whole point of doing a movie like this is you want
0: to bring the audience of the board game to the movie – and then the movie will sell more of the board game. Like, that Mm -hmm. is the marketing concept at its simplest. And I can't really see anything in this film that is really going to bring the audience from the board game to this movie, because there's so little that you would recognise of the board game. And equally, because there's so little of the board game in the film, you could watch this and not be aware that there is a board game called Battleship and that you can go into a toy store and buy it. So I can't... I find it hard to imagine that they actually shifted any more copies of the game by making this movie, which then just makes you wonder, like, who dreamt this up as a, as a kind of marketing toy
1: game movie tie-in? Well, according to sales records, actually sales of Battleship went down after this movie. <laughs> Like, no no joke, people stopped buying this game. Like, it really went down. And some people thought, you know, oh, it's because the film was so bad. And some people were like, how dare you? So as a consumer backlash, they decided not to buy the product and really stick it to Hasbro. But then other people are like, no, it's just the economy wasn't that good this year. I'd like to think it was the consumer saying, you know what? No, don't you ever do this to us again. We're not going to buy this product. And then they shut you out. That's an interesting consequence of this film. That's
0: kind of restored my faith in humanity a little bit. I think
1: just a little bit. I mean, and honestly, what other games could they put out? They can't. I mean, you can attempt to do life, but that's any drama, really. You could do Sorry. You could do Guess Who. I mean, there's Monopoly. Well, that's more Milton Bradley than anything. But there's just there's not many properties that Hasbro has that you could turn into. Films, you can't have Bop at the movie, you know? <laughs> like, that can't be a thing. Transformers is really all they got.
0: Now, let's talk about the climax of this movie because I found that really bizarre and it seems as if the film wants to make some sort of statement about promoting disabilities and promoting um, older people. So, we see the pride of the American Navy sunk to the bottom of the ocean by the aliens. So, Taylor Kitch and the survivors have to go and commandeer uh, this old World War 2 battleship which is now sort of floating Uh, museum and they put it back into service to fight the aliens with a bunch of crusty old-timey navy veterans who just handily happen to be uh sort of hanging around and yeah what do you think the sort of the idea was by sort of very sort of deliberately incorporating this kind of like bunch of uh older people into it and then having this sort of subplot involving you know this uh army veteran who has lost both his legs
1: I think it was just patriotism and pride for their country. I think Peter Berg has a real hard on for the military and for (laughs) veterans. I'm all about supporting veterans and I'm all about supporting the soldiers. But I think there's a time and a place, like obviously honoring them during like the opening or one of the opening ceremonies during the film, like that's a really cool way to do it. But when you do it this way, Because of the situation and because of the circumstance and because of how they come together, like they're on this ship and there is just randomly dudes standing all around. I I thought
0: they were I thought they looked like kind of arthritic Christmas decorations, the way they were just sort of scattered (laughs) about the, the ship like that. (laughs)
1: Like they're just standing around and it becomes comical. Like it becomes funny in a joke rather than being this moving and patriotic like, yeah, that's right. We're Americans. We stick together young and old. We use all of our combined experience and we form together and we fight a common enemy. That's how you should have felt when it happened. Instead, you're just like, are they really going to get – All these old guys together. And then they do it to Thunderstruck, which was a garbage ACDC song. I really want to see someone take that scene and recut it with the Village Peoples in the Navy. (laughs) (laughs) I want that so bad in my life. I think that would – to me, that song would make more sense than Thunderstruck.
0: The whole thing with like the old dudes like being brought back into service on the ship—did that remind you of Under Siege? Because that's exactly the plot point they had in uh, Under Siege with uh, one of my uh, favorite actors, Steven Seagal.
1: And wasn't it like a similar ship? Or no, it was the Missouri, wasn't it? It wasn't the Missouri as well, was it? I I'm fairly certain it was also the Missouri. I've just looked it up, and I can confirm it is the USS Missouri. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, maybe,
0: so maybe it's the same old dudes.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? That would be incredible.
0: Right, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be looking at some spectacular and history-making exploding helicopter action.
1: He brings the popcorn. She brings the roses. Hmm. <sighs> Subject Cinema. A tasty new film topic each week with a side order of film reviews. Yum. TC Kirkham. am Jim. Kim Brown. What? Over half a million listeners, and you could be the next one. SubjectCinema.com. Real movies for real
0: people. We're back, and now we're going to be looking at the exploding helicopter action. This occurs early in the movie when the aliens are demonstrating the awesome destructive power that they possess. One of their weapons is a spinning sphere with the ability to shred metal and steel. A pair of them are sent against a naval base where an octuplet of helicopters are innocently parked. The alien shredders head straight for the whirlybirds and barrel through the parked vehicles as if they were pins in a bowling alley. In all, eight helicopters are blown up in one big chopper fireball orgy. Nick, what did you make of this?
1: I thought it was stunning just it's going through and i'm like they're not going to hit all those and then just wham right through each one and then you there's a little bit of hope you just get a glimpse of hope at the end you're like oh one's getting away good we could really use and then out of nowhere these spheres just grow a tail and just shink cut off the tail and just boom an explosion but i liked it because we don't really see a lot of helicopters being halved like that you always see like something gets caught in a rotor and there's an explosion or just an explosion in general you don't really get to see the tail of the chopper being cut off and then the rest of it goes exploding which i really liked
0: oh yeah definitely i would i would agree like you just don't see sort of helicopters get kind of cut in half like that you kind of see maybe bits come off or they explode in all one in one way but it was cool to see a sort of helicopter split in two like that and we see some of the classic sort of tropes of the uh, exploding helicopter genre so there was there was quite a lot of of uh rotor blades sort of spinning off in in different directions here But it did start to make me wonder about, well, is there a kind of maximum? And I never thought I would ever say this. Is there actually a sort of maximum number of helicopters that I would want to see sort of blown up? Because I thought this 8 was great. But, you know, what if there were 12 there? What if there were 16? Would I start thinking, you know what,
1: these extra helicopters are not adding anything? I think in their stationary position, 8 is just right. If you get any others, all of a sudden the it, it stops it reaches its peak of awesomeness and then kind of goes down to a bland like okay we get it they're blowing up especially if it's some of the same or similar effects used over and over again but because it's just a quick blast of eight and we get a little bit extra with the cutting of the tail at the end like that's okay i'm, I'm satiated but now if they're like if they're an attack if they're flying like if we get four in the beginning and then later on in the film there's like you know 12 just coming in and it's like a firefight between them i'm all for it Bring as many as you want so long as there's action in a firefight (laughs) and there's creative ways in which they're destroyed. However, if you're just doing them stationary like that, I think, I think eight is the right number.
0: I think it's in economics, there's a sort of, I think it's a theory called like maximum utility or something where where there is a sort of threshold point where people's satisfaction with, uh, I think it's to do with incomes. And so after a certain particular point, people get more money, they're more satisfied with their life. But then you kind of hit a particular point and you give them more money and actually their satisfaction doesn't really improve that much. Maybe it's that way with uh, exploding helicopters, that actually in one kind of short sequence, eight is that kind of maximum point of utility. And after that, you can explode more helicopters, but the audience's enjoyment is just not going to increase.
1: See, now I want to kind of put this to the test. I want to find other films where there are more exploding helicopters than eight, which I think is going to be hard to find. But I want to test that theory to see if, if more is better or if eight is kind of where it's at. Well, I think you've already sort of like started
0: raising an interesting kind of point about how are you going to top this total? Because if you're going to create a movie, I think you're going to have to stagger out the exploding helicopters throughout the film. Otherwise, you're going to fall foul of this problem that we're talking about, whereas you just pack them all together into one scene. You're kind of just going to sort of shoot your bolt too early and, you know, you're not going to really satisfy the audience.
1: Yeah, like if you had in a James Bond type setup where in the opening sequence one explodes, that'd be okay. And then maybe because there's a helicopter theme during the uh, title sequence, maybe there's like, you know, imagery of one exploding or they do like a kaleidoscopic explosion of a helicopter kind of thing. But in later in the film, if there's a chase sequence and they're all chasing Bond, there's like 10 copters chasing him and they're, you know, one by one exploding and stuff as if they were on like a snowmobile type thing. But with helicopters, I think I'm in.
0: But now I'm thinking if you stagger out the exploding helicopters sort of too much throughout the film, the audiences are just gonna, they're not gonna buy the credibility of it. They're just, their eyes are just gonna start rolling. Cause every time they see a helicopter, they're just gonna start,
1: you know, that thing is just doomed. Well, yes and no. I think if you have, cause when has a film done that? When has a film had so many helicopter explosions throughout? Not a lot, but if you have one that has all that, all of a sudden it becomes, there's no way they could do another. And then it just keeps growing and growing and the excitement keeps building and (laughs) building. And yeah, it'll reach a point of, you know, ludicrousness, but I think we before i think it would like kind of pull back before it hits that and maybe one rides off into the sunset and they're like ah, that's the one that got away but if you had multiple films where they you know they kind of keep blowing up i think by that fifth or sixth film they'd be like all right we get it it's gonna blow up but it wouldn't have that excitement and that like oh wait they can't blow this one up boom they got it
0: well i think what's coming out here is that there's actually quite a lot of challenges for for filmmakers and storytellers here if they are going to top this total of eight hopefully those filmmakers are going to rise to the challenge because uh, i'd feel much happier in life if the uh, film with the most exploding helicopters was a better film than battleship because then i might might be more happy to uh to re-watch it on a regular basis because uh, battleship not a not a film i really want to uh to revisit and that saddens me as somebody who is so enthusiastic about the uh, explosion of helicopters in movies that the kind of film with the greatest number of chopper fireballs is a film that just isn't that great
1: now, I wonder if there's a correlation there, too. If you <laughs> increase the number of helicopter explosions, do you decrease in critical value or plot or just overall value of the film? I really want to get to the bottom of that. And you know, what I'm thinking is uh, maybe I'll go to
0: the AFI's top 100 films and find how many of them have exploding helicopters and like, how far can you go through that list before you actually find a great American movie or great movie with an exploding helicopter in
1: if you need any help with that whatsoever you let me know because (laughs) now i am i am really interested
0: well i think the ocean of time is lapping at the shore of destiny so we're going to wrap this show up nick thanks for giving our listeners uh, the uh, benefit of your wisdom and uh, do you want to let everyone know where they can find your stuff on the internet
1: Absolutely. Um, haven't been putting out as much, but over at FrenchToastSunday.com, you can find myself and the other members of the French Toast Sunday Collective. Um, podcasting has been a little slow. A lot of life events are happening right now. We've got surgeries and house buying and traveling and, and new jobs, but we're going to try to get back on track and get things squared away. But always check us out, FrenchToastSunday.com.
0: And equally, don't forget to check out the Exploding Helicopter website for reviews on other films where helicopters explode. We'll be back soon, but until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.
0: What seems to be the
1: problem? I want a chicken burrito. Johnny, chicken burrito herb. It ain't happening. Chicken burrito herb. Kitchen's closed, Hopper. What's your name? I'm hungry. Just not like your name Give me five minutes.
0: I will get you your chicken burrito.
1: Five minutes. Starting now. Chicken burrito time. I'm out. Chicken burrito. Roger that.